This passage is about testing. And I'll throw this up here. So thank you. That's just a we There we go. Okay. <laughs> Matt is my favorite. All right. So how's that? Um, so we're talking about, about testing. And you know, testing just has a, a bad reputation. And for good reason. Like, if you think about um, tests that you've had to take at school, like, that's bad. Um, often tests at work are bad. Um, COVID tests, bad. And so um, I feel like I have my work cut out for me to try to prove to you that some tests are good. But I think I can do it because I think you'll admit there are some things that you want to be tested. So for example, I was thinking about this, um, just you've got the phone here. I was thinking about if you're told that the phone is waterproof, you want that to be tested before you take it swimming, right? Like you would want that to be tested. If you're gonna um, parachute out of a plane, you would want the parachute to have been tested before you jump. Um, if you get brakes on your car and they tell you these are genuine brakes, uh, you want to test them before you're going 100 miles an hour only to find out, like, wait a second, these don't work. And I was thinking about um, just, like, when you don't test something and you get something that is untested, how badly that can go for you. So I was thinking back. Um, I was in college and I had no money, but I was with some friends and I saw this watch for sale. And it was, like, at a flea market or, or a swap meet or some sort of a play. I don't know what it, where it was. All I can remember is there's this watch. Um, and it was a Gucci watch. It was green. And I thought, like, this is the coolest watch in the world. And if I wear this, I will be cool. And so I bought the watch. And it, it wasn't magical. It didn't make me cool. And then it turns out that it was not a real Gucci watch because I only paid 20 bucks for it. And someone pointed out to me, like, right away. I was, like, wearing it and, you know, kind of, like, flashing it around. And somebody's like, oh, is that a Gucci watch? And I was like, yeah, it, it is. And they're like, let me see it. And then they're like, uh, that's not Gucci. I'm like, how do you know? It's because the second hand is like doing this, like ticking like that. And they said, on a real Gucci watch, it's like smooth. And I was like, ah. Uh. And then it broke. And I, I felt like, you know, like 20 bucks, there it goes. And a friend of mine, um, she bought a ring when she was in Mexico. And um, it turned her finger green. And the reason for that, why? Copper. It was fake, right? Yeah, it was, it was copper ring. Um, so, yeah, some things, like, you know, you want them to be tested to find out if they're genuine or not. And it turns out, same thing with your faith. Like, you want it to be tested to find out if it's genuine or not. And the only way, the only way to know if you have faith is if it's tested. I mean, you can say all day long that you have faith, but until your faith is tested, you don't actually know. And the reason you want to know whether your faith is genuine or not is because faith is the only thing that gets you to heaven. And in fact, I, I would say... Faith is a, is a thing that gets you through life. And there's a reward for having faith that is magnificent. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. I was thinking about one other time, though, that I, um, when I was, I was at this park, and there was this guy there who had been drinking a little bit, and he was telling us how he could dunk. And we're like, <laughs> really? And like, because you don't look like a, a dunking person. And so finally somebody said, prove it. Like, do it. And so he's like, oh, no, I don't want to show off. I don't want to show off. But we finally, like, goaded him into it. So he's like, all right. So he takes the ball, and he starts, like, at the far end of the court and starts running, like, as hard as he can. And we're like, this can't go. And he jumps and did not even hit the net, right? Like, he just, like, <laughs> like just totally missed it. And I, and, and I think what we're looking for is, is the claim that we have faith. Is that real? And you don't know unless you've been tested in it. And the church is always being tested, always. Like today, the church is being tested. Christians are being tested today to see, in America, for example, if during a time of prosperity, the church will fall asleep. 
Like it, it'll just, it'll have like a faith that just, that lulls it into sleep. Or if during persecution or hardship, the, the, the Christian church will, will shrink and hide, right? And the same thing is true for you personally. You, you're being tested. And I, I know you're going to break up into groups later. I, I'd be really interested um, in those groups if you would talk with each other. And maybe we'll talk about it now in a little bit. What is it that, that tests your faith? What is it that you're going through right now that, that is testing your faith? And one of the things that you can, you can sort of sense is when you're feeling like just discouraged or depressed, when you're feeling like just quitting. Like th- that's a test, right? When you're feeling like, when you're feeling like, I don't know if Christianity works. Like, I, I don't think it's doing what it's supposed to do. And I don't know that I can keep following this anymore. When like things are like your car is breaking down, when, when, when just like life is just kind of crashing in on you. And you're saying like, I, I just don't know that this is worth it. That's a test. And so I, what my argument, and it's the argument from the passage, is that tests are good. And in fact, they're so good that you should rejoice that you're being tested. And okay, I'll try to prove that to you. Um, the passage, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that we're going to look at is in 1 Peter. And this is a dense passage. Like, I, I think this is a passage that is, um, it, it's going to take some work to sort of digest it. I'm, I'm going to try to cut it up with like a knife and a fork and break it into pieces so that you can chew on it. And that when, when we've sort of swallowed what this passage has to teach us, that on the other side of it, we'll, we'll be more mature as, um, as Christians. And so let me, let me read 1 Peter, starting in verse 1 all the way to verse 7. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along um, with me. And I'm going to focus primarily on the, the last two verses, verses 6 and 7. And then while, while we're talking, if you have questions or, or anything that you want to object to at any point, just go ahead. You don't even have to raise your hand. Just blurt it out. If, if you don't have any questions while we're going through it, then at the end, I'll, I'll just open up a time of questions. And also, I, um, I'll ask questions of you. So just fair warning. It goes both ways. Okay, so First Peter 1, uh, verses 6 and 7. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter's one of the disciples. Um, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He's talking about to Christians who, because of persecution, are spread out all over the world. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood. Now, right there, <clears throat> um, right there, the sprinkling with his blood, like you don't get blood without suffering, right? So already we know that Jesus is a sufferer. And now here is a great prayer. You can pray this for, for me anytime. Um, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's my prayer for you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the Father or God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And what, what he's saying here is that um, God chose you, he, he picked you, and he has for you an inheritance not money, but, but something more valuable than money that he is keeping for you in heaven. He's guarding it and he's also guarding you and he's going to give it to you. So you've got something good coming to you. So that's like, that's the good news. Here's the bad news. In this, uh, verse six, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Since we've got this up here, I was going to read this like twice or like five times just to try to get it in our heads. But since you've got it up here, I'm just going to kind of talk through it. And look at that first phrase, like, in this you rejoice. Now, what, what do you think, what does rejoice mean? Like, if you were going to define rejoice, because that, it's kind of a Christian word, right? Like, what does rejoice mean? To praise. Yeah, to praise. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna celebrate. Yeah, celebrate, to be glad. So, yeah, he's saying, okay, in this you rejoice. What are we supposed to praise and be glad about? Well, what he's saying that we should rejoice and be glad about is these trials. And... Uh, so Peter, like, is he a masochist? Like, what is his deal? Like, why would he say to rejoice in trials? Like, why would you be happy that you're going through suffering? Like, have you ever, like, stubbed your toe and, like, really hard? And then you're like, man, I'm so glad that happened. Like, praise be, you know? Like, no, no. When, like, when you stub your toe, and probably something else comes out of your mouth, right? And it's not praise. It's not rejoicing. It's frustration. It's anger. But here he says, when you're tested, you should rejoice And I think there are times when even though we're suffering, we rejoice. Can you think of a time that even though you're suffering, you rejoice? Even though it's hard, you're glad about it. Like, what would be an example of that? Exercise. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly right, right? Like, you're exercising. I mean, clearly, like, I do tons of exercising, so I'm as big as I am, even though I couldn't pull the rope well. Yeah, and when you're exercising, it hurts, but you're doing it because you like the result of it, right? Yeah, so that's good. What else? What's that? Eating. Eating. Okay. Uh, you, uh, explain that to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to pay for it, but it feels good. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was thinking about like surgery. Surgery is painful, right? But like if you've got a disc that's messed up in your back and like it's causing you excruciating pain and you're like in misery all the time and you go to get surgery, you know the surgery is going to hurt, but you hope that makes things better, right? So you're like, yeah, I'm going to undergo the knife because I like what the result is going to be. Um, I have three kids and I I haven't actually, this just uh, shock you, I have not given birth to any of them, but I was there for three of them. And um, after we had two kids, my wife was saying like, would you think we should have a third? I'm like, no, like this is so hard. Like pregnancy and labor, like so tough. And it wasn't easy on you either. Like, I think it was, it was like, it, it was brutal. And, but people go through labor. Why? They love the child, right? It's worth it. They say it's worth it. Okay, so there are times where we say, like, the pain is worth what it produces. Like, the pain of childbirth is worth the kid for a while, and then they grow up. And it, No, no, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> Um, In in fact, James writes this. He says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith, in other words, it produces something good. The exercise produces something good. The surgery produces something good. Trials produce something good. And what that means is that God doesn't waste any suffering in your life. Not one drop of pain, not not one drop of blood is wasted by God. He uses all of it. And, and that's pretty good news. In fact, I, I think that's great news. Th- that testing produces something, steadfastness, confidence, and so re- to rejoice in trials. But he does say, look, at, he, he says, um, oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, uh, you have been grieved 
by various trials. So how can you rejoice and grieve at the same time? Doesn't he say you're being grieved by trials? I had um, this music teacher who was a Christian, and she was one of these Christians, I don't know if you've ever met them, they're like always smiling, like always smiling, but like not like a genuine warm smile, but like a plastic smile, like, like the Joker type smile, and you know, where you're like, that just doesn't seem right. And we would, we would torment her just to see if we could get her not to smile. She, she, would, she was so mad, you, you knew she was mad because there was like smoke coming out of her ears, but her smile stayed the same. And I think like, she misunderstood that like, when you have tr- the trials of, of bad students, like, you should rejoice and just smile. No, no there's, there's grieving that takes place when you're suffering. Right? He's not saying, like, hey, pretend like everything's okay when it's not. I just, I like that, right? I mean, I just, I like that the scriptures say, like, hey, we're not trying to pretend our way through life. We're, we're not saying something is good when it really hurts. Um, no, we own up to it. We say, this, this sucks. I hate this. But I think, it's gonna, I think something good is going to come out. My wife, when she's going through labor, she wasn't like, this is the best, right? No, she was like, I, uh, she's, uh, she couldn't even use words. And you, you stay back during that time. <laughs> but but there, there's a rejoicing even in the midst of, of the pain. And I was going to just ask you, what, what trial do you think you're going through right now? I don't know, do you guys talk about like, stuff like uh, in this group or do you wait till you break up? And, like, is it the vulnerable type of group where you say you like... break up. Okay, all right, I won't put you on the spot then. All right, I'll tell you, um, if I'm misunderstood, that feels like a trial. Full disclosure. Um, if I feel isolated or lonely, that feels like a trial. If I feel rejected, um, if in my spiritual life, if I'm like praying and I'm trying to like get close to God and I feel like, like the room is empty, you know, like I'm praying, but... Have you ever been talking to somebody? Uh, I was going to pick up your phone. You ever been talking to somebody on the phone and you're like, are you, are you in the bathroom? It's, <laughs> I hear echoing. You ever, like, you ever pray and you feel like, it's just echoing. I don't even know where. Okay, that's a trial. Um, you ever prayed for something you didn't get? That's a trial. Have you ever had just things go wrong? Just like, I mean, day after day after day. Um, have you ever just been frustrated with people and you felt like, um, Maybe it'd be better if I wasn't around people for, like, decades. If you haven't felt that, um, it's coming, right? Um, if life hasn't, haven't, hasn't turned out the way that you wanted, the way that you dreamed, then that's a trial. And these trials are, are grievous. That's just the reality. They grieve us. Our heart is heavy. But even while we're crying, we can be rejoicing that God is, is using this trial. Okay, so let's talk about that. I mean, let's talk about the testing of the genuineness of your faith. The, the testing, the genuineness of your faith. How do trials test the genuineness of your faith? How, what do you think? How, do you have any guesses on that? How, how, do, how does a trial test the genuineness of your faith? Because if your faith is genuine, you'll remain faithful through the whole thing. You know, that's interesting. So do you feel like, okay, if I'm going through a trial and I have faith, like, I'll... I'll succeed through it. Like, I won't fall. I won't, like, like I'll, I'll, I'll stay the course. What do not you think? If, not if you're not in a close communication with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it on your own. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot because, um, so my experience is that um, 
especially when I was younger, that I, I would, I would, I'd go through a trial, right? I'd, 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 let's say, hypothetically, let's say I was struggling with a sin. I don't ever struggle with sin, but let's just say hypothetically <laughs> that I was, right? And I, and I felt like I was like doing the same sin over and over. I'm like, Lord, please help me with this sin. Um, but I, I still sin. Same, same one, like over and over again. Um, and then I'm like, man, that's a trial, right? And so then I think, maybe I don't have faith because I keep making the same mistake. Or, or like I, um, I'm going through a hard time, like uh, relationships aren't working out right. And, I, and I, that's a trial. And I, and I pray, Lord, help these relationships work out. And they don't. Did, did I fail the test then? And, and let's say I'm part of the problem, right? Like, did I fail the test? Um, I think actually trials are getting at something different. Not, not success, but the presence of something. Is, is, there, is the faith present there? I was just reading like two weeks ago um, in, in uh, California, there's this huge problem with um, pawn shops. And you, you know what what's happening at these pawn shops? People have gotten so clever at... Um, replicating gold that they'll bring in like these gold chains like think about like big thick like wrapper gold chains like um and they'll be like oh i my family is sick and i've got to i've got to pawn these these chains they're worth like fifteen thousand dollars but i'll take 80 at the pawn shop and the pawn shop's like they look at it they're like it totally looks genuine and um and so they they make the exchange and then they find out later actually that it's not it's so close um, only like professionals with chemicals can test and they find out like, no, this is just, they painted it, it's painted. And um, when you go through a test, it's, it's to see if you have faith, not to see if your faith is perfect. Oh, wait, actually, no, no, that's not true. It's determining whether the faith is pure or not, isn't it? Do you have faith and is it pure? Now, can you have faith that's impure? What do you think? Think about that for yourself. Like, can I have faith that, that is like, I, I don't know a lot about gold, but you know, they have like uh, different carats, like um, it's like 14 carat, 24 carat. And like, so is it 24 that's more? Does anybody know? Sounds like it should be. It's certainly more than 14, right? <laughs> so let's say like 24 is purer, right? Than 14. Um, so like if somebody gives you a ring or something, you could, be, you could look and see like, were they cheap or did they go for the, the good stuff? Um, faith, could you have like 14 karat faith versus 24 karat faith? Yeah, what do you think? What's an example of impure faith? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so impure faith, are you ready? Guy comes up to Jesus, he says, my son is sick, um, if you could heal him. And Jesus says, if, if, if I could heal him? Like, you don't think I can heal him, if? I'm telling you, like, Jesus is from New Jersey. If, right, right? No, no. Jesus says, if I could heal him. And, and do you know what the man says? He says this. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. He's saying, my, I believe. I also unbelieve at the same time. It's, it's mixed. I have, it's not, it's, this is like 14 karat gold faith. It's not pure. And what is, does anybody know what Jesus does? I believe, help my unbelief. He's praying for his kid. What does Jesus do? If I remember correctly, he still heals his child and said, go, your faith has healed you. Heals, heals the kid. What, what do you think that does to his, his faith? Purifies it? I, I think it does. Yeah, right? Like, if he's like, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief, and Jesus goes, okay, healed. 
all right, that did it. That works. Like, that helped, right? That, that helps. And when we come to God and we say, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, I, I believe, God, that, um, that you still love me even though I keep making the same mistake. Um, help me with my unbelief. He, he meets us there. He meets us there. So there's a difference between, like, having no faith. See, part of the test is to determine if you have faith at all, right? Like, so with the, those gold chains at the pawn shop, they test it to see, does it have any gold in it at all? And what's the answer? None. No gold. So how, how much is that worth? Zero, right? Like, it's, it's garbage. Like you just throw it in the trash. It's not worth anything. But if, the, if it's tested and it has some gold in it, then how, how much is it worth? It's, it's valuable, right? Like, it's not pure gold, but it is gold. When we're tested, it, part of it is to determine if you have faith at all. Now, how much faith does it take to get to heaven? How many carrots? I don't know. I, if you can answer that, I don't know the answer to that. What, what do you think? How much faith does it take to get to heaven? Mustard seed. Mustard seed. Yeah, how, how big is that? Like mustard seed or mustard seed? Like on the tip of your finger seed, right? So a tiny bit of faith is enough to get you to heaven. Tiny bit of faith. Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this tree, be uprooted and thrown into the ocean and it would do it. Just a little bit of faith. So when you go through a trial, the, the, the trial isn't just to determine, like, are you perfect? Can you go without sinning? Can you, can you follow God without doubt? The, the test is to say, at the end of it, do you still believe? Now, if you still believe, what, what, what do you get? Tested by fire, uh, that it may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you have faith, even just a little bit of faith, praise, honor, and glory, that comes from God. Sometimes you go through a trial and you fall flat on your face, right, over and over again. How do you know if you still have faith if you keep falling? What, what, what would be the evidence that you still have faith if you're, like, making the same mistake over and over again? What would be an evidence that you still have faith? Getting back up. And yeah, what, what does it look like to get back up? Like spiritually, what does it look like to get back up? Repentance, repentance confession and repentance. So the, the, the test is not just, did you go through without, without sinning? Did you make it through without, without falling? The test is, when you fell, did you confess and repent? If you confess and repent, what does that prove that you have? Your faith. But if you've never been tested, if you've never gone through a hard time, you can't know if you have faith. I mean, you can think you can. You can, do, you can be like that guy in the basketball court saying like, I can dunk, right? I have faith. But until you actually go through a hardship, a trial, you, you don't know. And so Peter is saying, hey, when you are tested, rejoice. When you're tested, rejoice. Um, let me just pause there for a second. Any questions? Or any pushback? What do you think? Doesn't repentance mean to not do it again? Or mm. is that? Yeah, so uh, I was going to write up there. But, um, so repentance means to turn away from, right? So like if I'm going in this direction, and let's say this is the direction of darkness, right? Like I'm, I'm going into something that's dark. It's, it's away from God. And I repent. That I confess it. Lord, I've been, I've been lying, right? Uh, and I'm sorry about it. And now I turn and I speak truth. That's repentance. But I can, I can say, I, I lied, I'm sorry, I'm going to speak the truth, I'm speaking the truth, and then I go back, and I, start, and I lie again. 
and I have to confess again, and then I lie again, and I have to confess and repent again. I mean, my experience is the Christian life is a lot of back and forth. I mean, a lot of back and forth. And our prayer is that there's growth in that, right? But the, 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 um, the proof that I have faith is that I keep turning to Christ, not that I keep myself from falling. And are you keeping, are you keeping your eyes on Jesus? That, that proves that you have faith. And think about these Christians that, that um, Peter is writing about. They're being persecuted. They're going through hardship. But if they're holding on to Christ, even if in the middle of the hardship, sometimes they, they make a mistake. Sometimes they, uh, sometimes they fail to speak up for Jesus. Sometimes they, like Peter, they deny him. But then what does Peter do after he denies Jesus? He repents, right? He confesses. He turns back to Christ again. And that process of, of going through, that process of failing it, it keeps us focused on Christ. It reminds us that we have a real faith, and that faith will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means that when Jesus comes back, he has a reward for those who follow him. He has a reward for you and I. The, the challenge is that there's a bit of delayed gratification, right? So we're saying like, hey, if I can go um, and, and, and endure through these tests, then at the end, I'm gonna get this payment of praise, honor, and glory. But the problem is that it feels like a long way off, doesn't it? It feels like a long way off. But um, think about this. If the payment is significant enough, you can wait, right? Um, I, was, I was remembering back when I was in um, college, um, one spring break, I went home. Well, everybody else went out to like Lake Havasu in Arizona and they were partying. I didn't have any money because um, I had spent it on this fake Gucci watch. And I, I went home <laughs> and I, I had to get this, I had to get a job. And I was in Arizona and um, it was hot. I mean, super hot outside. And I, the only job I could get for a week on spring break was a temp job. And so I showed up at this place and they took me out to the desert and there was a, it was like Breaking Bad. There was like a big, um, metal container with uh, uh, pipes in it, and they, I had to unload pipes. As we already mentioned, I'm huge, so it was no problem for me, like physically, like with lifting the pipes. But it w- in the, this building, it was like, it was super hot, like just, it was crazy hot. And so I was, I'm carrying pipes out of this thing all day, and like, I thought I was gonna die. I was like, I was so hot, I was so exhausted, I'm like sweaty, my, I'm filthy. And I was getting paid like, um, I was minimum wage, which at that time was like 4.30 an hour. So after taxes, it was like 30 bucks. And I spent half of that on a Gatorade on the way home. And I was, as I was, I got home and I was, I was just wiped out and I was going, I'm not going back. Like, I'm not, why, why, why won't I go? It's just not worth it, right? Like the money is not worth it. The money is not worth it. But what if they said, hey, you work in this container and not at the end of the day, but at the end of the month, we'll give you a million dollars. What would I do? Like, yep, I'm all about it, right? I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I can do it for a for million dollars. And w- what, what Peter is reminding us of is God's ability to reward us beyond what we can imagine. In fact, do you know what the Bible says? No eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. In other words, like, God's saying, I'm going to pay you more than you can imagine so you can endure. You can endure right now, fight through it, keep your eyes on Jesus. And when, when Christ returns, he will reward you. So that's like, the, that's the goal. That's what's coming up. But I think it's fair to say, well, what do I get now? Like if I, if I'm going through hardship and trials now, 
I'm supposed to rejoice now. Well, what benefit do I get now? Here's the benefit, confidence. Confidence that I belong to God. Confidence that he's with me. Like um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, right? They, and they see there's one standing with them, like the Son of Man. It, it's Christ with them in the fire. When you go through trial and hardship, it gives you confidence that God has not abandoned you, that he's with you, that he has, he has waiting for you a compensation far beyond anything that we can imagine. And that's what we rejoice in, that he's holding on to us and that it's not our performance that gets us into heaven, it's our faith in Christ. And that's the good news. And so like, uh, like okay, so just total like transparency. Like, um, like you probably haven't noticed, but on the news, people are really angry with each other. I don't know if you've seen this. Like politics, people are super upset. Some small thing going around called COVID, people are really angry about that. I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff. And some of that spills into the church and it's just, it's hard, right? Like. Uh, Christians on both sides of the political spectrum, both sides of like the mask spectrum, fighting each other, angry at each other. And like we used to worship together and we loved each other and now we hate each other and we talk bad about each other. And we post bad stuff about each other on, um, on social media, primarily Facebook. Um, <laughs> and like, oh, man, that just, that's, that's terrible, isn't it? Like I feel like it's terrible. That feels like a big trial to me. What, what how could I rejoice in that? I'm just talking about for me, not for you. Um, this is about me. Um, <laughs> how, how can I rejoice in that? How can I, we've had lots of people have left the church, other people have left other churches, they're mad. How can I rejoice in that? What, what do you think? Help me. If following this passage, in this you rejoice. So now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved. I've been grieved by various trials. So the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, uh, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory in Jesus Christ. Why would I rejoice in this? What's the silver lining? Because it's necessary. Yeah, why is it? You're absolutely right. It's totally necessary. Why is it necessary? It's separating the sheep from the goats. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, hardship, it, it, it has a dividing effect, right? Um, Brody was in our meeting uh, today, uh, and we're talking about our the people who are involved in life groups. Like these are like our small group studies, and he said, oh, "People um, have left the church, but the percentage of people in life groups has gone up." Well, how could that be? Because many of the people who left were not were not invested. You know, like they they weren't in relationship. Um, giving has stayed kind of about the same. You know, why, why is that? Because many people were not committed if they, they, they were, were never really invested. We, I, how would you know that? I wouldn't have known that. I couldn't, I couldn't have known. And in my own life, how, how is this good? Be brutal with me. How, how is this good? In my own life, how is this good for me? What's that? Yeah, and how is it causing me to grow? You're totally right. Yeah, I want to just escape and go to a cabin and like, like wait till things get better. But you're right, you have to endure it. That causes you to grow. Yeah. I think it also shows like a pain in like the Christian family. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, it's clear. Yeah. It shows where there needs to be like healing. And right, healing. yeah. So. Yeah, it reveals like we thought we were good at loving each other. Turns out we weren't that great at it. So then what? Well, that doesn't mean we don't have faith. That means we have to grow in our love for one another. Uh, for me, I can't put. I can't say like, "Oh, look how great everything is going." Right? I feel good because things are going great at church. No, I have to say, 
I, I feel good because Christ is with me, even if things are going badly. You've got those kind of things in your life. You do. Things that are hard, that, that you're struggling with. And you can cling to Christ. He'll be with you. He won't forsake you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. That's what the scripture says. He loves you more than anybody else has ever loved you. And if you have faith in him, even the size of a mustard seed, he's going to come back for you. He's going to rescue you out of this world. And he's going to bless you. Yeah. And he's going to bless you more than that other group over there. Way more. <laughs> yeah. I think another thing is just being able to like keep a family together with both campuses. Like, I attend yeah. Mount Holly campus. Yeah. Like, being able to, like, keep the family aspect together with both churches, even though it seems like we're, like, millions of miles away, but we're, we're still being able to, like, uh, come together as a family. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's good. I think that's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions or thoughts? I've, I've run down to the end of my time, so. Yeah. So on the one hand, like God has protected from some things that probably you're not aware of. But the other is, like, if, if you become a parent and your child wants to learn how to ride a bike, what, what do you do? How do you help them learn how to ride a bike? Helmet and knee pads, yeah. And, and, and does that keep them from getting injured? That lessens it a little bit, right? But you, you go alongside of the bike, and at some point, you let go, and what happens to them? They totally wreck, they crash, right? Like they just get, and they, they go down. And that's, you allow that to happen. And it's not because you don't love your child, it's because that's part of growing and learning. Like you don't, if you wanted your child only to be safe, you would wrap them in bubble wrap and you'd stick them in the corner of their room and you wouldn't let them leave. But you let them go out and stub their toe and get in fights on the playground and, and crash their bikes because that's how you grow. Right? That's how you grow. And so, yeah, the Lord lets us, he lets us get bumped around. Wouldn't That's that how we grow. Wouldn't that be a trial of their own? What's trying, that? Wouldn't that be a trial of their own trying to learn how to ride a bike? Of course yeah. you fall. But the end effect, you eventually do learn how to ride the bike. Yeah, yeah, sure. And yeah, I mean, but so like every trial God uses. So like if I choose to go to school, and I, let's say I choose to go to law school, and it's really hard. That's a trial I put myself in. But in the middle of that trial, I, I do find my faith getting tested. And so, yeah, sure, we can choose our own trials. And I just would say, like, hey, life has plenty of trials in it. Um, you don't need to go looking for extras, right? Yeah. Good. Any other questions or comments? So when it's written, do not say God is testing me when you're in the trial. Yeah. What, what does that look like when somebody's like, wow, something is really weighing on you? You yeah. say, well, there is a trial, not that God is testing me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doesn't it, isn't it? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Isn't? I'm trying to think. Is that's James, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's saying that God doesn't tempt us, right? Um, well, I, I guess just like when you're portraying it to somebody else, 
so that. Uh, ask the question again. I, I got, I got. Sorry, I got uh, mixed up. Like when you're presenting your trial to somebody else, oh, uh-huh. to to not be saying, "Oh well, God is putting this trial before me." Yeah. Because that would be the, the the common thing to want to say. Well, I'm being tested by God, and hopefully this will uh, right test my genuineness of my faith. Yeah. Um, but then, if we're asked to not do that. What does that look like? Yeah, well, I, I would say, I think God does allow us to go through well, testing, right? I mean, he talks about um, the, so the tested genuineness of your faith. He allows us to go through the fires of trial. And we can say, certainly, God has allowed this to happen, and he's going to bring good out of it. And so, yeah, I, I don't have any problem saying, like, right now, all this hardship. Okay, God is allowing a, a trial um, to, to afflict the church. And when I'm sick, I don't, I don't have any problem saying, God is allowing this sickness to test me. That's happening. I'm being tested. Um, but he's not doing it maliciously. Um, he's doing it because he loves me. And he, he wants me to, to see whether I have genuine faith or not. And whether my faith is, is pure or whether I'm like the, the father saying, I believe, help my unbelief. In which case, he's gener- generous and gentle with me. So, so does he write that because he doesn't want that person to become resentful of God? Like, oh, God is testing me. Yeah, so what, what passage are you looking at? And I'm, let, me, let me look at it so I that I'm... Wanna, I don't want to misquote it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... Because uh, I, I thought... Yeah. Hold on, i got to get to my... I had a new phone, and I'm trying to figure it out here. James 1.13. Okay. You want to read it to us, James 1.13? Tempted, no one should say God is tempting, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Yeah, so uh, there's a difference between being tempted and being tested. Tempting, and, and that's a, a great distinction. Tempting is you want to lure somebody to do something wrong, right? Testing is you're checking to see if something is genuine or not. So yeah, God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. Yeah. Logan. Yeah. 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 No, nope, that's a good point. Yep. Well said. I think maybe I think it's what James is getting at. Getting at Jack's question is that you know something that God is using to you know test us and test our faith is oftentimes the same thing that you know the enemy the uh, adversary will use to try to like make us falter in our faith. Sure. You know, it's like the same thing yeah. is being used by two different sides to for two different ends. And I think the th- mm. same thing with like you know Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, where it's like, yeah, that was something Jesus had to go through. Um, you know for prophetic reasons and like you know, being the new Israel and everything but it was also you know Satan coming in there and trying to cause you know him to falter yeah. so I think it's one of those things that things that can prove our faith are the same things that you know the enemy is using to make our faith falter yeah yeah so uh, it, the same event um, the devil ends uh, is using it as temptation God is using it as testing exactly. and the devil is tempting because he wants you to fail God is testing because he wants you to pass mm-hmm. yeah yeah good yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of something I heard Paul Washington talk about. Yeah. Uh, kind of like shows us what our weaknesses are at. Yeah. And, uh, 
Um, he used the illustration like, so he went out surfing and the red flag was out and he had no idea what it meant. Yeah. And apparently it was like hot, like bad time. And yeah. Somebody, somebody else was out there and just absolutely terrified. Yeah. It like, because he was weak, not a good surfer, he um, like clung to his surfboard. Yeah, and yeah, right. The first person he would see. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, we have to in our testing like we definitely find out where we're weak and we got to cling to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Anyone else? Last call? All right, I'll turn things over back to Matt. Thanks, Matt. Very much. Hey, thanks for letting me be here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And uh yeah, thanks for being here. We really appreciate that. Um it was uh February he he gave a message on this and I had remembered it so that meant it was good right because i don't remember well that's true that's true that's true um but um this this verse to me uh something that i really got from that was like in a trial where we're a lot of times being like why like why the questions are like why take this away from me why am i going through this and and i feel like it it turns it into like we see like, oh, it's necessary. Like this trial is necessary. And, and it turns into, instead of take this away from me being the request, turns it into like um, purify my faith, increase my faith, you know, so, so that you're not going through the trial um, and getting out on the other side the same as when you went through it. But you're using that necessary test to increase your faith. Um, so... Uh, Shad, if I got your question right, whenever people break up, you want them to talk about uh, what feels like a trial to you and then what good can come out of that. Is yeah, that... Like what, what trial are you in and, and uh, how, how are you responding to it? Okay, What good. trial are you in and how are you responding to it? Great, thank you. Um, so we'll, we'll split up. Um, we'll split up into groups of two or three and then you can answer that question. What trial are you in and how are you responding to it? Before we do that... Um, does anyone want to pray for Shad for us here tonight? Everybody at once, yeah. Good, good, good. No, thanks, John. Thanks, John. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for this evening. Just thank you for Shad and uh, his leadership uh, with the church. And I just uh, pray that you continue to give him guidance and uh, the whole uh, staff of the church that. Uh, through all these uh, struggling times that we're going through with, uh, with COVID and politics and the whole church dividing, I just uh, pray that you just, um, just give him strength and uh, use your words to uh, make this church a family environment and just a great place to come to learn from you. And uh, just uh, thank you for his word this evening and that we can uh, all uh, use it in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Thanks, Pastor Chef. Thank you. You guys can break up into...